Amen. Please stand as we read this word of God. <laughs> First Thessalonians 5:12 through 28. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is the word of God. Greetings, church family. I greet you all with a holy kiss. This is COVID friendly, right? A little bit of social distancing going on. I love you, Chauncey. <laughs> what a beautiful day it is, right? Isn't it a beautiful day that we get to celebrate the Lord and his love? God loves us. God really does. You know, this morning as I was praying... I was confronted by my, um, my cloudiness. I was a little bit clouded, um, distracted. As I went to the hill, I went into my office to print off the sermon. And as I walked out of printing the sermon, I watched as somebody was kicking my car, messing up my, my side mirror. I think today, I think today there's a lot of distraction. And I don't want to quench what the Holy Spirit wants to do today. I think the Holy Spirit wants to move today. And I pray we would get our hearts ready. Amen? God really loves us, and I think he wants to root that in our hearts through this passage. And so I just want to invite you right now to take a second and pray. You know, the passage we have right here says pray without ceasing. Let's take a second to pray, and then we can get our hearts ready to receive what God has to say today. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and let's take a second. And after a little bit, I'll pray for us. Most high God, you are good. And Father, your love is from everlasting to everlasting. Your love is steadfast. Lord, you keep showing us each and every single year. We come to the foot of the manger. How much you loved us. How much you love us. 
And Father, I pray that today as we think about what it means to be kingdom people, kingdom people set apart to love and good works, Lord, I pray that you would convict our hearts where it needs to be convicted, shape and mold our hearts. Lord, prune us, Lord, where we need to be pruned. And Father, I pray, encourage us where we're weak and faint-hearted. Be near to the weak today. Father, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Today we pick up from where we left off last week. Wasn't last week's story dope? Wasn't it good? It was a really good story. After Paul and Silas were done fellowshipping with the newly converted jailer, Paul and Silas, when in the daytime, were told by some coppers that they were representatives of the judge, that they were free, and making an appeal to their rights as Roman citizens, the big dogs themselves had to come back and say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, we, we put you in jail. Uh, we also heard it to Roman citizen. Could you uh, please uh, leave the city? <laughs> you get up out of here. Um, I, I, we, we don't want no more troubles. <laughs> and after encouraging the believers in that city, they left. Where they went next was the city of Thessalonica, originally called Therm, which was a city standalone and annexed from the Roman Empire. It was a city named after the ruler's wife, who was a stepsister of Alexander the Great, just in case you like history like me. The main thing about this place was that it had a major synagogue and some practicing Jews that when Paul got there, Paul did his usual thing. He went to the synagogue and he started reasoning the scriptures with them over and over, as Luke puts it, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead. The cool thing is, is there were some devout Greeks and some leading women in the city who were converted, and even some of those Jews came to know Christ. But the bad news is that there were some jealous Jews who formed a mob, caused an uproar, vandalized a dude's house named Jason, which it didn't take very long for Jason to be converted to experience some spiritual warfare. He, did, he was dragged out of his house and his boys with him into the city square. And because they couldn't find Paul and the crew as they were slipping out to Berea, they accused him of doing exactly what Jesus was doing in their midst, which was turning the world upside down. He was causing some good trouble. As uh, John Lewis, our friend John Lewis would say, he was, he was getting into some good trouble. You know, you don't have to be a social justice warrior to get yourself into some good trouble. You can just proclaim the good news of Jesus and find yourself in some good trouble. Anyways, Jason was a man's of means. He was a good man of means. And so when they threw him in jail, he got some money out of his pocket and said, here you go, bail bondsman. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to pay my bonds. And they got out of there. Paul and Silas and Timothy, they head on to Berea, encountered some Bereans who were Jews, who were noble, more noble than the people in Thessalonica. And they received the word of Jesus, and they checked the scriptures over and over again. But those same Jews get wind of what's going on in Berea, and they say, mm-mm, we're going to go step in and get some more trouble to this dude named Paul. And so they go give him some more trouble. And so Paul and Silas and Timothy split in a good way. Not a bad way, but a good way. Silas and Timothy, they stay in the area of Macedonia, and Paul departs for Athens. Paul sends for Silas and Timothy but while waiting on them to arrive, Paul gets busy as he could not help but see a lost city full of idols, and he had to proclaim the good news of Jesus. After preaching Christ risen from the dead to some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers of his day at Areopagus, he ends up going and um, 
continuing to proclaim the gospel. Some of them mocked him. Some of them say, we will hear you again on this. Really, it was like Paul said would happen, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. Some in turn, like Dionysius, an indigenous man, and Demarius, a woman, were converted to Jesus. Women of CCC, you should read and get encouraged by this this season. If you get into the books of Acts, you'll see all over the place leading women of the city, women of the city converted to Christ, women who were opening their homes and being, being people who the Holy Spirit was moving through to plant the church of Jesus Christ in the area, women of CCC. God is moving in your midst. This is your story. God has been using women for years and decades and centuries. Do you believe that God wants to use you today? Has it been hard to believe that with all the stuff going on in our, our culture? God is with you, and God is using you. I hope you believe that. Anywho, Paul leaves Athens and goes to Corinth, meets a Jew named Aquila and his wife Priscilla, another dope family, but through some sad circumstances, Claudius, the Roman ruler, said, I'm tired of you Jews. Y'all need to get up out of here, get out of Rome. And so they get pushed out to Corinth. Paul in Corinth again begins to preach and teach in the synagogues. Paul finally, after relinking with Paul and Silas and Timothy in Acts 18.5, and side note, Silas's name is also Silvanus in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. They, he receives a good word from Paul I mean, from Timothy and Silas. And for them, they're excited about the faith of the Thessalonians, the place that Paul had just left. It was at this point that there was this consensus among the scholars that Paul wrote this letter today in about AD 50. Now, Paul had went through a lot to get to writing this letter. The Thessalonians had went, to, went through a lot to, write this, to receive this letter. They saw some discouraging things. They saw some hard things. But their faith in the midst of persecution, in the midst of hard things, excited Paul. And it confirmed that we can have joy, hope, and love no matter the circumstances. Amen? No matter the circumstances. He gets to write into the Thessalonians who are holding on with sincere faith and love towards one another in the midst of some crazy circumstances, y'all. Some outright persecution, stuff that we don't see here. Here are the last words to his brothers, at least for now, during the times which are for their benefit, but are also for our benefit. Now, I got three things. I don't have enough time to, care, to, to, to get to everything. I don't have enough time to get to everything. I would love to get to everything. It would take us a long time to get to everything in this passage. But I have three things that I really think God wants to use in our lives today to teach us to be ready for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all, we need each other. We need each other. Do you believe that? really do. It's been a hard year. Omicron is here. We can't do nothing about it. We can pray. We can trust the Lord. People are tired. 
sick. People's families are having a hard time. It's mostly clear for us that we need God, right? We, we're, we're okay with that. We're, yeah, 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 give me some God. That's all I need. Technically true. Mm-hmm. But God didn't ordain it to be that way. Everybody said we need each other. Maybe as a step of preparation today for our Lord Jesus, maybe we need to get our hearts ready for what I think the Lord wants to do to bind us together more in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, 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 I wonder, I, I wonder if some of us in here have become too self-reliant to begin to unpack all that it means, all that it means to be a follower of Christ in our times. I wonder if we become too self-sufficient to really receive Christ, the baby in a manger. I wonder, we need each other. Let's look at verses 12 through 18. We need each other to help admonish and encourage one another. Verse 12 says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And verse 14 says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Y'all, it takes a lot of wisdom to know how to love your brothers and sisters who are struggling or on the struggle bus this season. But this is exactly what Paul is calling us to. But praise God, God gives us some handlebars, right, through our brother Paul and his writing. Again, yes, this is a word in verse 12 to who, to the shepherds of the congregation, but as we continue to see, it kind of unpacks and it's like, no, this isn't just for the shepherds. This is for all of us. Look around. Everybody here has a responsibility, responsibility to help one another in these things. We should esteem our leaders, but there is no clear directive to the leaders only. So this should be for all of us, that we love our brothers and sisters. The word here, brothers, could be translated brothers and sisters here. So what should we do? Those who are idle, we warn. The word here for the idle in Greek, octuptus, is a strong term. A strong term that could be translated unruly or a military term signifying a soldier who does not keep his ranks. You guys know what I'm talking about? If we were singing the Lord's Army song, we would need to get in rank. I'm in the Lord's Army. Yes, sir. We need to get in rank. But when we step outside of those ranks, we get this word right here. Okay? What is most significant about this term is the difference in the person's heart between the, the, this word and the next two words in our, in our sentence. We warn this brother or sister because attached to their behavior is willful disobedience to the truth. That's quite a bit different than the weak and the faint-hearted. That's the key, the heart. Fam, if you see someone in Christ being willfully disobedient to the truth, you don't have to get Reed or Chauncey to go fix this situation. Try to restore them yourself. Have you ever tried to? Or do you always run and go get big brother or sister? You can go yourself and restore the situation. 
If they won't listen to you, then you can go get a brother or sister. That's fine. But maybe, maybe God wants all of us to be about when we see something wrong, we go warn our brother and sister in Christ. Why do we do that? Well, we're not doing it to be the Jesus police. Oh, I see it. You messed up. I got you. <laughs> nope. That's not what we're doing. We're doing it because we really love them. We really care about their joy. We know that the brokenness that is being displayed in their disobedience is being led, is leading them, excuse me, to destruction. It doesn't lead to joy. We want them to be full of joy. The next word is those who are faint-hearted. We comfort those who are faint-hearted. This word means what you think it means, and it's probably a good translation of the word. It could mean that those who are naturally predisposed to discouragement, or it could mean that some situation has caused some faint-heartedness, or both. Either way, we do our best to comfort those who are faint-hearted. We don't rebuke this person. We don't beat them down. That would be unloving. Instead, we comfort them. Some of you probably have someone in your head right now that when you're going through a really hard time, they came to you and instead of beating you down, they shared the gospel of grace with you. They sat with you. They told you, I love you. You ever experienced that before, church? You ever experienced that feeling? What did that feeling feel like to you? Did it feel good? Y'all can talk back to me. It felt like water to your soul. What else did it feel like? A burden off. Amen. It was good, right? It was like a bomb in Gilead. It was beautiful, right? It felt good. And that's what we do for one another. We encourage, we comfort the faint-hearted. The next word is those who are weak. Those who are weak, we help. The weak here are referring to a spiritually weak person in the text. The verb used here is used elsewhere throughout the New Testament to mean to hold fast to. Usually the teachings of of Jesus or, or, or holding fast to, to Jesus himself. But here it is to say that we should hold on to the weak. Do you hear your brother or sister crying out to you? Weak, barely able to make it. And they're saying, oh, won't you stand by me? I won't be afraid. Oh, I won't be afraid. Just as long as you stand by me. Oh, what? Something funny? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a song, right? That's a Benny King song. That song, I was reading the scriptures, and oh, man, that song came in my head. And then, of course, you know, I grew up in the 90s, y'all. And one of my favorite parts, there's a guy, oh, stand by me. If you know the Lion King version of Stand By Me, just wait, get to the end with Timon and Pumbaa, and don't you skip that part with the frogs. The part with the frogs, somebody, I know somebody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love that part, man. It gets me fired up, man. God wants us to stand near to the weak. That's what love looks like in this season. The key through all of this is the next phrase, be patient with them all. Patience 
is a fruit of the Spirit. We teach a child song, fruit of the Spirit, it's not a strawberry. If you want to be a strawberry, might as well hear it. I pick a strawberry, it's my favorite fruit, you know. I feel like every kid picks a strawberry almost, or at least every Bible study. You might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit because the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience. It's also a characteristic of love, patience. In order for us to do these things, we're going to need some patience, fam. Especially in the season we in. Because in our little small church alone, there's an abundance of people who need your encouragement and who might be discouraged from week to week, from day to day, for one reason or another. When summarizing this text, Michael Holmes, a New Testament theologian, puts it this way. In nurturing those who are weak, in caring for those in distress, by encouraging those who are fearful, and if necessary, disciplining those who require it, we can become ministers of the grace of the gospel, servants of God through whom he reaches out to those looking for him or in need of his presence. That is a great summary statement of this verse. Do you long for his presence? Walk near to God. Be next to his weak ones. They're longing for his presence. He will give them what they desire. May God help us to be patient with one another, to seek peace and pursue it within one another. We need one another's help in this regard. We also need one another's mercy. Verse 15 says, see to that, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. If there's ever a time that someone does evil, we're reminded that it is not our place to repay people evil for evil. But instead, the call is to seek the good of one another. If you struggle or are struggling with forgiveness, hey, I want to come back to this because I think there's something going on. I think there's going to be a breakthrough in forgiveness in our church but I think we still are working through it. I can feel it sometimes. May God help us to be people who forgive one another. If you struggle, then go back to the story of Joseph again. Put that story on repeat, meditate on it. Because through that lens, the whole Bible sees what it means to forgive. Through Joseph's story, we see what Paul is saying here. No, we don't condone evil or say it is okay or live in naivete. But we do say, God already will take care of me. So I don't have to repay. You stick around people enough. They will say and do some things that will hurt you and will be flat out evil. Have you ever experienced that, church? Went through some stuff, flat out evil, hurtful things said to you, but you don't get the vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God gets the last word, always. And God is fighting to bring justice for you and his church. The Thessalonians understood this as they went through persecution, real persecution of their faith. You cannot get justice truly on your own. Wait on the Lord, and in fact, actively pursue the good of the other person and everyone, is what it says. That's a high bar, yo. That's a really high bar, isn't it? But this world would be a better place if we modeled this well. Third thing is we need to help each other be prayerful and thankful 
and rejoicing at all times. Verse 16 says, rejoice always. Verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. Verse 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Church family, I think we spend a lot of time talking about praying without ceasing. But we often don't want to be the weird person rejoicing and giving thanks to God in all circumstances. It seems foolish, doesn't it? Man, my car broke down. Praise God. God is good to me. I had a car in the first place. Awesome. Man, I just got punched in the eye by a dude. It's all right. Praise God. It, it sounds foolish, doesn't it? They, they just whipped my back to the point where I feel like I can't walk anymore. Praise God. I know the risen lamb. I know the one who saved me from my sin. Praise God. Praise God, somebody did something weird to my family. Somebody did something to my friends. Praise God, God's going to set it right. Don't you know who you worship? This ain't even in my sermon. Do you know who you worship? We worship Jesus Christ who sits on the throne. Jesus Christ who loves dearly. We don't repay evil for evil because we already have the victory. We don't repay evil for evil because we already know what's going to happen in the end. We're praying for our enemies. We, we want hope for our enemies. We need them to meet the risen land. We need them to meet Jesus. We're not, we're not sitting as judges. We're sitting as people hoping that they will repent of their sins. We're, we're sitting as people who, who, who know we are secure. And we're asking, by the way that we act and respond, will, will you see the risen lamb who died for me? And as I model, as I model what it looked like to be like Jesus, who for me, I'm a sinner. And I put him on the cross, yet he prayed and asked, will, God, will you forgive him? Don't hold this sin against him. That's the kind of people and hope we have in Jesus. We don't repay evil for evil. And so we're able to pray without ceasing. We're able to rejoice Always. We're able to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Even if they never see it that way. It's God's will for us. What better time than now to go to parties and, or hospitals soaking up one another's company and thanking God and rejoicing in him than this Christmas. Imagine with me. I want you to really imagine with me. Imagine with me what it would look like to be a community that rejoices a lot. Think about that. Look around this room. Imagine everybody rejoicing in the Lord. Imagine what that would feel like. Imagine if we were a community that was praying a lot, look around the room. Imagine we're all around praying often. How refreshing would that community be? How beautiful would that seem to the world? Now, I say all that, and I want to say this. Guess what? You're already doing that. You're already doing some of that, right? Some of you guys are thinking in your head, man, I'm around. Man, 
I'm around Vivian. Yeah, I just, I just pointed you out, Vivian. How are you? I'm around Vivian. Man, she loves people. My goodness, heart and desire to see people know Christ. But man, she takes care of the little ones in our midst. It's beautiful. I know she used to work at Palomar. Heart deeply desires the weak to be strong. And through your life, Vivian, people's lives are being made strong. As you stand next to them. Church, that's what we do all the time. We may not see it, but that's what we do. And even more so, we have Jesus as an example who takes us deeper still. You know, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul starts off by saying, I want this for you more and more. You know, how many of you in here have experienced as you've sacrificially gave your life to loving someone else, you experience more and more of the grace in your life? Have you guys experienced that? Have you guys felt that before? I mean, Will, when you had a, when you had a daughter, Sisha, and you looked at her for the first time, didn't your heart explode with love? A new love that wasn't there before, literally. I remember holding my son, Rashawn, for the first time. It took me a while. Some, Caitlin had that thing nine months. I was, I was like, man, I, I know it's there, but I can't see it. You know, I feel it moving. I mean, sometimes it kicks me in the middle of the night, wakes me up and stuff, but... You know, I don't feel Rashawn like you do. Baby pops out, and I'm like, oh! Yeah! Yeah, I'm called to love you. <laughs> Sacrifice, give my life for you. What joy came in my heart. What joy and love filled my heart, a different love. I am not the same person that I was because of that experience. Can you testify to that, Caitlin? <laughs> I'm very selfish. I am. God got used it to help me. Praise the Lord. Do you know that God loves you? That his desire is verse 23. That the God of peace himself, God is intimately in this process of sanctifying you. God of peace himself will sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's all of you. Did you know That Jesus is our example. And as I think about it right now, it's breaking my heart thinking about how good it is. We are still called to respond to the gracious command and do the work in our sanctification process. But God initiated love well before we ever wanted it or cared. (laughs) 
They need Jesus, who is the one that already done all that we need to do. We can imitate him. We have Jesus who gives the admonishment we desperately need, and yet is the most long-suffering person that ever walked the planet. Jesus got right up in our mess. And Jesus is somebody that you can do more than just lean on. You can build on him. He's our rock and our firm foundation. Jesus is merciful to the ungrateful and undeserving. Or as Jesus says it in Luke chapter 6, 36, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Nobody else modeled, nobody else modeled what it meant to be merciful better than him. Jesus is our great high priest who rejoices over us, who prays continuously for us, and who prayed for us in the high priestly prayer that we would be one. We would be one. And he is interceding for us now our great mediator. We only have one mediator between God and man. God, man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is listening and literally praying without ceasing for us. Jesus fought for the good of all people. He fought desperately for our good. Even when we still wanted evil, He didn't repay evil for evil. Instead, he lavished forgiveness on us. That's a different kind of love than we've ever experienced that we don't have in ourselves naturally to produce. But guess who can put it there? Go ahead and say it. Oh, y'all can do better than that. Go ahead and say it. Jesus. Jesus can can do that and put that in you. What a great benediction from Paul. He will surely do it. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. If we've had a hard time believing this is our future, remember what Paul says here. He who calls you is what? Faithful. He will surely do it. If God began a good work in you, he is going to complete it. That is what it means. He himself is going to sanctify you completely. He's going to keep you, church, to the very end. Do you know that he will do it? Is your confidence there? Does it lie with Jesus that he will sanctify you in the end? Your whole being, he will sanctify completely. That is our great hope in Christ. Can you imagine with me a world full of no sin? No sin in you. No sin in your neighbor. No residual effects of sin. No consequences of sin. Can you imagine what that world would look like? How beautiful that place would be. Beauty is, he will do that. He will surely do that. We close by looking at verse 25. Paul just says, brothers, Pray for us. Pray for us. It would not be uncommon to leave from here and still have doubts, to hear from all the different preachers at Christ Community Church every week, to go read your Bible, pray and study, and still have some doubts. While it's not okay to walk in unbelief, it's not foreign 
to faith walkers to doubt. It's also not foreign to really be put in a situation where you face real struggle and you wonder what is going on. But many times in scriptures, the antidote is not, well, pull up your bootstraps, get busy and get to work. Believe the scriptures, believe the scriptures, believe the scriptures. Instead, many times when Christians face persecution, evil, suffering, injustice, the first thing they ask the congregation to do for them is to pray. Pray. Only through prayer will we have the boldness and endurance to continue this walk. If you ever had a bad day and somebody prayed for you and you felt it, can I get an amen? I've had days like that where I knew somebody prayed for me. I was in the dumps. And somebody prayed for me and I was out of it. I had people pray for me when I was afraid. And somebody prayed. And God gave me boldness. God gave me hope. God gave me courage. God gave me the ability to love, to go the extra mile, to take the next step. But I can't do that on my own strength. We need to pray. Church family, there'd be no hope this Christmas if God didn't come in a manger. If God didn't come for us, die, live and die, and then go ascend into heaven, church family, we forget about the ascension. The fact that Jesus is on a throne is pretty miraculous. The fact that at your right hand is pleasures forevermore is miraculous. The fact that at the right hand is Jesus, which means Jesus is our pleasure forevermore. Do you, we understand that Jesus is what we need? Church, I have a lot more I could share, but I, I have this really on my heart. As I close, um, I know some of you are going to go into a war zone. It, it seems as if Christmas is supposed to be a time of peace and love and joy and hope, and we light these candles. And yet, here in a little bit, um, you know that you're going to walk into a war zone. I think one application that we can take from today is let's pray for each other. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Pray for us. We're about to go home. Be honest, too. Share your struggles with trusted people. I'm about to go home. There's all kinds of mess. Will you pray for me? I know I'm about to get into an argument with my mom and dad. They're just going to pick a fight with my sister, brother, my uncle, cousin. They know I follow Christ. They'll pick a fight with me. Or for some of you, you're about to experience some spiritual warfare. Pray for one another during the season. There's all kinds of statistics. This is one of the most depressing times for people. Isn't it it paradoxical? It's weird. It's weird. What a joyful season this is. And yet, and yet, suicide rates are at its highest. How? How? We need the hope of Jesus, y'all. We need to pray for our friends those inside the church and those outside, we don't know what's going on. 
In fact, why don't we right now just spend some time in prayer? Can we do that? What I want you to do is I want you to take a second, think of somebody you know or a couple people you know and start praying over them. Pray that God's grace would help them. Pray that God's grace would sanctify them as they grow in love for each other. Pray that God's grace would help them. Pray for anybody you know that might be suicidal or hurting. For real. For real. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. You are our great hope in this season. And Father, I pray that the love of Christ given to us in the form of a baby in the manger would help us to not only experience God for ourselves this season of the love of Christ, but also as a community of faith help each other, hold up one another, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. Lord, even, even if we have to have some tough conversations with friends, Lord, I pray that you would help us to do all of it with love. And Father, I really do pray that you would help us today to see that Jesus is our great example. And no matter what happens, you will surely do it. You will sanctify us completely. You will bring us to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. We don't have to worry. We can trust you. It may seem as though there is no hope for us. But Father, I pray that you will remind us of the truth that there is, and he will surely do it. You are faithful. Father, help us in this season, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.